Hello, and welcome back for another episode of Dinner and a Show. I am your host, as always, Tom Bland, and with me today I've got my brother, Joe. Hi there, everyone. Uh, tonight we had some pizza and wings from Twin Trees, a local Syracuse mainstay, and the film we saw today was Upgrade. Uh, we'll start, as always, with the food. Joe, what do you usually get when you go to Twin Trees? When I go, I usually get myself, you know, uh, a pepperoni pizza and some delicious mild wings, which we get. Come over here all the time, watch movies with my brother. We just watch you know, Upgrade. That was in intense, but you know, Twin Trees is a local brand. You can find it everywhere here. Well, there's three. Well, no, there's more than three now. Isn't it's there just, a couple outside Syracuse too? I don't know about outside Syracuse, but I know there's just. I think there's four or five now. Yeah, there's there's at least four. Um, there's two really close to each other, Twin Trees 1, Twin Trees 2. There's Twin Trees 3 out in the, I think, north side. And then there's another Twin Trees in, like, East Syracuse somewhere. Um, but it's it's an Italian restaurant and pizzeria. You can eat, um, a lot of people just get pizzas delivered, but they actually do have a very nice uh, dine-in restaurant. Yeah, they got um, a great environment in there. Yeah, the original, it's very uh, nice atmosphere. It's like a family-friendly restaurant. They got a big back ballroom for, like, family events, which I'm pretty sure we've had, like, a couple birthday parties and family reunions there. Yeah, I'm, I'm, a lot of my birthday parties have been spent at Twin Trees, too. <laughs> uh, they have a nice uh, wide menu. They've got, aside from pizza, they've got, they do haddock fish fries, um, obviously pasta, uh, hamburgers are really good there. Uh, it's a nice... Nice little local spot. Uh, you ask anybody who's from Syracuse uh, about Twin Trees, they'll they'll usually tell you they like it, unless you're a weirdo, and then we don't talk to them. Yeah, those people are ostracized. We never <laughs> speak of their names. Shunned from the clan. Yes. Oh, uh, but no, it's it's good food, good prices. It's not crazy unreasonable, um, and the pizza is cut. I guess they call it party style, or it's meant to be shared instead of the the you know the, the triangle wedge shapes. There there's thin line slices. Yeah, and the crust is phenomenal. Oh, the on crust the, is on the... so light and flaky and good. Yeah, whoever is the head chef and came up with that recipe needs a Nobel Peace Prize for all the good work he's done. I think you're overselling it just a bit. <laughs> well, all right. Well, that was our our take on the food. If you're ever in the Syracuse area and you want hankering for some good pizza or some other. Uh, Italian delicacies, definitely check out any of the at least four Twin Trees locations. <laughs> uh, and on to the film, which was Upgrade. Uh, Upgrade was, I believe, 2018. It was directed by Leigh Wannell. Uh, I hope I, pr I probably butchered that name. I apologize. Um, some people might know him as the director, and he was actually a star in it, um, of the original Saw film. Um, and you can definitely tell that there is some Saw-esque uh, imagery and and a vibe to some of the scenes in here and my, Joe caught it. I didn't even notice it the first yeah, time. When, uh, yeah, when they're so if you well, did, can, did, we, can we bring in uh, spoilers to the no, plot? We, we just we'll get to the plot. But um, uh, there's a scene where a character's walking through a, like this old rundown building and there's graffiti everywhere and you see jigsaw spray painted on the walls and it was crazy. I I, I never caught that. Yeah, I, I saw that instantly. Third time I watched the movie, I didn't even catch it. Um. So yeah, it's it was uh, produced by uh, Jason Blum's Blumhouse Productions. And I know the running gag these days is he'll throw money at anybody, um, but I am super glad he threw money at this guy because this movie was incredible. Um, it starred Logan Marshall Green, who I think I had seen him in like one other thing, and that was something I actually really liked about this movie is there was no big big names, and because the movie's budget was only $3 million, I'm assuming they couldn't get any big, big names, even if they wanted to. But I actually, I like that. It, it didn't detract from me having to take X and such an actor as serious in the role. Yeah, all the actors were good enough anyway, you know? Like, you don't need a, a big-name actor to have a good actor or a good person inside of the movie, and I think everyone played their parts extremely well. Yeah, and, um, what's his name? Uh, Simon Maiden was apparently the voice of Stem, who is uh, very integral. We'll get to that in just a second. Um, so the movie picks up. We're at some point in the near future. They never actually give us a year, unless I just missed it. Um, but, you know, tech has clearly progressed. We have drones flying everywhere, self-driving cars, uh, smart house AI. Uh, it's very technologically advanced. And our main character, Gray, uh, is very much rooted in the past. So we open up on him working on uh, an antique Firebird car, 
Uh, he's listening to a record player, you know, not not a, a phone MP3 or something like that. Yeah, his garage is very different than his uh, wife's, you know, larger house, you could say, because she has a self-driving car, kind of like in the mm-hmm. Tesla vein, and um, they have, you know, these really high-tech, like, panels, uh, Fahrenheit 451-esque, you know, TV walls and kind of thing. It's a really bit stark contrast between how they view the world, and I thought it was very interesting how they did that and set it up. Yeah, it's, it's pretty cool, and yeah, the I would kill to know what, I, I bet it was a Tesla that they built, because the, the self-driving cars, they look insane, they're like all gold-flaked and paneled, there's not even really a windshield, because it's the car self-driving. Yeah, the whole thing's made of glass, too. It, it was pretty cool looking, I, I wonder what car was underneath it. Uh, but his wife comes home one day from work, and she works at this company called Cobalt, which is a giant robotics tech company. And he mentions that he finished up uh, the Firebird for a client, and he's going to need uh, her to come with him and take him home in the car, because after he drives it off, he won't have a way home. So they drive out to the middle of friggin' nowhere. I think, we again, we never really get a definitive answer as to where this takes place. It seems uh, to be like it's in Northern California. Uh, yeah, I would say somewhere probably LA-ish. Definitely probably California. Uh, and they drive it to the middle of nowhere, and this guy lives in an underground lair. Yeah, it's, it's sick. He has like this, a Bond villain lair. He has this beautiful stone arch at the top, and then it, um, if anyone has seen the seed vault in Norway, it kind of looks like that as the entrance to so this big... Un- sorry, I, just, <laughs> I like the kind of stuff, you know? <laughs> this big underground passageway that goes into this huge, like, crypt layer thing and inside it there's all sorts of cool tech gadgets including a dome for surgery which we'll see later on in the movie well we don't know what the dome is for yet um so the the house slash bond layer is owned by aaron keen who runs another tech company called vessel and the wife is like oh my god my husband didn't tell me you know you're going to be meeting aaron keen this is incredible you know i'm a big fan of your work i also work in the field uh, we're not quite as good as you, but we're catching up. And he tells her, no, you're not. And uh, I'm going to show you why. And he takes Gray and his wife, Asha, into the next room, and he shows them STEM, which is like a very teeny tiny microchip-sized thing that he says can literally do anything. It can drive cars. It can communicate anywhere. It's basically, as he describes it, a better, faster human brain. And, you know, Gray is very... Uh, not thrilled with this because he's as he says you know you see the future i just see 10 guys in an unemployment line well he doesn't know they won't even be standing up to be in the line that's the problem with stem you'll see yeah um so they they leave the house and you know they they're having a talk about you know that he should probably be nicer to considering aaron is uh, a client of his and he's just you know not sure where a guy like him fits in this world you know who loves his his old school cars and his old school music and everything like that and uh the wife tries to make him feel better by saying there's some things that are nice about having a self-driving car and they start to kind of fool around in the back seat and the car veers off course while they're doing this and they just they're both kind of not really noticing it and but eventually he notices that they're going in his old neighborhood, New Crown. Yeah, they're going to a place where they're not supposed to be, and it seems that uh, his words were kind of prophetic in the time, because then the self-driving car seems to turn against them, you know. Well, I wouldn't say turn against them, but it definitely goes haywire. Well. Something happens. Something definitely happens, And the car crashes, um, and they're hauled out of the car by these four guys wearing masks, and one of them uh, picks up Gray's wife, uh, he gives her some bad guy speech spiel, and then he shoots her. And they hold Gray down, put this weird ray gun looking thing to the side of his neck, and it basically severs his spinal spinal column, and he's quadriplegic. Yeah, it's a pretty awful fate for poor Gray, considering he can't drive his cars anymore, really enjoy any of his old life. And yeah, now. he can't can't fix anything. He can't do anything. You're you're stuck in a wheelchair for the rest of your life. Yeah, and so after that happens, he finds himself in the hospital, and then uh, there are t- a series of, like, and then it goes through him and his mom uh, learning how to use the robotic arms to, you know, make a protein shake and other things like that. And uh, He is obviously very, very sad and discontent with how things have become. <laughs> I would hope so. I mean, wouldn't you be? <laughs> if yeah. someone severed your spinal cord and killed your wife, I'd... make for a very disappointing movie if after his wife was murdered in front of him and he was rendered a quadriplegic he was just like eh 
you know, could be worse. Well, you know, I guess but this is <laughs> this is all part of God's plan, he'd say. Oh my God, I would have stopped yeah. watching a movie. That, <laughs> that would be the the end of that one for us. But anyway, continue. Uh, yeah, so we yeah, we get that like short montage of I think it cuts to like three months later. Um, oh yeah, in the coma. It wasn't a coma. He was just in the hospital because they had to repair damage to him. Oh yeah, poor guy. Um, and yeah, he's he's clearly just doesn't want to live anymore. He tries to kill himself by over ODing on his pain meds by getting the robotic arm to inject him again and again and again. And this is where the real uh, crux kicks in because when he's in the hospital recovering from this attempted suicide, Aaron Keen shows up. And says, um, I'm, you know, I'm sorry to hear about what happened to your wife, um, but what if I had a way to fix you? You know, that stem chip I showed you, it could repair, um, it could be the bridge between your brain and your nervous system and fix it. And it's awfully convenient, It's an you know, offer too good to be true. That Aaron just happens to show up with this thing for him. But he, he initially turns him down. And then he, but Aaron says, well, we, you know, uh, you were right about computers. There are some things they can't do. They can't bring your wife back, but maybe it could bring you back. Uh, so he eventually does consent to the operation. We see STEM get put into him. And right after the surgery, he's able to stand and move his arms. And it's, you know, he's a really, like, emotional and, like, very weighty scene when you see him stand up for the first time after this technology has miraculously allowed him to heal himself. And uh, Logan Marshall Green, I thought, was absolutely phenomenal in this. He he has to do a lot of... He's, it's, it's not like he's just doing an action movie where he's just angry and pissed the whole time. He, he has to, you know, play the ridiculous, happy-go-lucky husband in the very beginning of the movie. Then he's got to play the, you know, the depressed, despondent, uh, paraplegic... And then the scene, yeah, the scene where he, he can move again for the first time in three months is the look of just joy on his face for just the simple act of just raising his hand above his head. And it, there's a really cool scene where he, he's raising his hand, but there's also, like, the digital holographic outline of his other arm, like yeah. the musculature of yeah, his arm. Yeah, that was that dome I was talking about earlier. Yeah. Basically, the dome is, like, a, essentially, it's a, imagine... Uh, panes of glass, but when you look through the pane, it's a uh, X-ray of a human body because it's cool. for surgery. Was, and when it, it, it would, the camera would pan up and it would alternate between him lying on the table, normal, and then it would go through one of the panes and you'd see the X-ray. Yeah, and it would just it, as it raised, it would switch between the two. And it was Seriously really cool. cool photography device as well, not even just. You the know. more I think about it, I don't know how they made this movie for only three million dollars. Because the effects were incredible. They made it through sheer ingenuity. It's I, very good, isn't it? I guess. It? Um, so we get to... Yeah, so Stem has repaired his spine. Or, well, not repaired his spine, but has allowed his, his brain to talk to his nerve endings and he can move again. Uh, but Aaron warns him that this is experimental tech and, and nobody can know about this because if they find out, they'll yank it out of you, you'll be a paraplegic again, and I'll probably get sued into oblivion. Yeah, and then Aaron makes him sign a non-disclosure agreement, basically, which says that uh, he can't talk about STEM or do any of that. But unfortunately, events, what are coming up? But I did hard. like the line. He goes, it's never fun signing non-confidential, uh, non-disclosure agreements. But I bet it does feel pretty good to do it with your own hand. Yeah, that was a so, funny line. Uh, it's, it's so the film true. had a very the, the, there was a lot of dark humor in the film, and it was it's actually pretty good. Um, so he's he goes back home, and he you know closes the door. And once he's sure he's alone, he stands up, starts walking around, and he sees that the police detective, Detective Ortega, who is in charge of the case, has brought over like a box of files and stuff for him to go through to see if anything can jog his memory and help him. Uh, find the four guys who did it because they are not showing up on any registered database. The drone couldn't identify their faces, so he doesn't know what's going on. So he's watching the footage of the attack and he's kind of sifting through some files and then all of a sudden a voice in his head goes uh, can I make a or I think it's like I have an observation or can I make a suggestion or something like that and he's, he's freaks out. I mean I'd freak out too if there was a voice in my head. So essentially Stem sees the drone footage and he notices something in the drone footage, which is key to realizing what is actually going on here. It seems that in the drone footage, when his wife uh, was unfortunately shot by these men, uh, 
there was no gun in the man's hand. It was actually his hand was the gun itself. Yep. And so this starts a him going down a rabbit hole of like different police files and things and has STEM check the internet and look for people who could possibly match this description. Well, no, STEM notices the tattoo on the guy's arm. Oh, yeah, he noticed the tattoo. You're right. Sorry. Yeah. It, he, yeah, he notices the tattoo, um, but it's the footage is so grainy he, he can't quite make it out. And then Stem says, it's okay, I can see it. And he says, you know, let me just borrow your arm for a minute. And he, like, crazy freehand sketches out really quick, uh, like, a weird semi-circle digitalized tattoo. It's almost like a barcode. And he, he's like, oh, I, I don't know what this says. And Stem says, hold it up to your eye, I can read it. And he holds it up. And he rattles off, Cirque Brentner is the name of the guy who's got the tattoo, it's like his blood type, his religion, and then it has his street address. And he's like, oh my god, you did it! You found you found the guys who killed my wife! And he starts to call the Detective Ortega. And Stem's like, uh, yeah, I did, kinda, but, I mean, there's no evidence, really. It's just drone footage, and the way you figure it out is using me. And remember, we can't tell anybody about me, because if we tell anybody about me, they'll yank me out of you and you'll be a paraplegic again so he says we have to find hard evidence so they go to uh the address that was listed on the tattoo uh they wait in the car and they see somebody leave the house they go up to the house and uh stem says no alarms uh but it's a manual like not a digitized lock so i can't help you here but he lock picks it and gets in yeah because he's a mechanic you know so he this is kind of a recurring theme throughout the movie where he he has lots of practical knowledge that STEM seems to not have. So, like driving cars or picking locks or things like that, he understands it more. Uh, and they they work together as a pretty dynamic duo throughout the thing. Where you know, one is uh, <coughs> part of the digital age and one's part of the you know I guess analog you could say. Age. Yeah, it's really a twisted take on a buddy cop movie, kind of. Um, so they're in the house. And they're looking for stuff. They go through the table, which is like also got a, it's like a glass like coffee table, but it's also got a digitized display in it. And they scroll through the messages, and Stem's like, "I keep seeing this place called the Old Bones Reference. What is that?" And he goes, "It's a bar in my old neighborhood." And Stem's like, ah, "I can't find any info on it." And he goes, "Because that's they don't they don't cater to people like that. They want to keep that off the grid." And they keep going through the house, and they find some old military uniforms. Um, some other stuff. Nothing like, no smoking gun really though. And then Cirque Bretner comes home. And this is where it hits the fan. Uh, I've seen this movie before, so I knew it was coming. But watching Joe experience it for the first time was crazy. Yeah, because it was terrifying to, you know. So uh, what happened was, this man comes home. And, you know, obviously like... He's in another guy's house illegally, and even if he was a cop or just breaking into someone's house is still illegal, so he hid behind a bookshelf, right? And then the guy walks in and sees him in the mirror, and there's this tense second where they see each other and they are about to fight. Then as that happens, the human guy is fighting him. And for some reason, you know, a recovering paraplegic really sucks at fighting. So, yeah, of course, for some reason. So he gets, you know, blown out by this uh, veteran. And then uh, the robot, as he's being choked out on the ground by the veteran, the robot asks him politely to take over. And then no, he says, "Let me know if you need any help." Oh, let me know if you need any help. Yeah, like super corporate speak. You know, it's it's funny. More dark humor, as Tom mentioned earlier. Yeah. And then, uh, as that happens, the guy, uh, you know, the human, great, great absolutely destroys this guy well, with the robot. So he says, uh, "Stem says I need your permission explicitly to do anything." And he says, "I all right, got permission." Yeah, got permission. So. They fight, and it's pretty quick, and then uh, he impales the back of his skull on a oh, shard of glass. You're skipping some good stuff. Oh, so, oh, oh, yeah, and there's other... No, that's a different kill in the movie, no, wasn't it? But the, the crazy thing about the fight scenes is the camera... The, the, the camera work done in this movie is really unique, and yeah. it's, it's offsetting, or off-putting in a way that's just, like, slightly not right. Just kind of, like... Yeah, no shaky cam nonsense, though. No, no shaky cam, but, but like... Because Gray has something inside of him moving his body for him. And the way the camera moves kind of conveys that really well. So after Gray gives Stem permission to do this this 
you know, take over and fight this guy, Logan Marshall Green, again, doing a fantastic job here, is basically watching his body fight this guy. Well, his, his, he is doing nothing. It's all stem. Well, he is panicking, actually. Yeah, he's freaking out. So, so we have this panicked expression on his face through the whole fight, but he's kicking the crap out yeah, of this guy. Another phenomenal job of acting here. Yeah. The guy is, the guy is panicking. He's freaking out. The fact that his body is doing these, you know, basically inhuman acts. Like if you if you watch the movie, and you really should. Oh, it's, I, it's I, him. Fantastic. It's him just like moving like a robot, but in a human body with human muscles. And yeah. you can only imagine how and he's un- like, uncomfortable he's, that makes you feel. He's begging like, the guy, like, stay down, stay down, I don't want to... Stay down, I don't um, want him to kill The guy does anymore. not stay down, pulls a knife, uh, they go through some more fighting, and um, he basically says, Stem, you gotta stop this. And he goes, okay. And he flips the knife parallel to the... Or, I guess Ooh, it would be perpendicular, yeah, perpendicular to the guy's and face. Then he, then and he, he rips it through his jaw. He, just, he, ba- he almost cuts him clean in half. His head, yeah, almost yeah. right in half. Oh, it was a really brutal image. and Drops him dead. And that is where you can tell that this guy directed Saw. Because the kills in this movie are brutal. Especially that one. That one was exceptionally brutal compared to some of the other ones in the movie, I still think... I think the last one... Not the last one. The, the, the one second with the arm? to last one. The one the, yeah, the we'll yeah. get there. But that well, was we, the most brutal one. I, I won't spoil that yet, you know. Um, it was, so, uh, he kills this guy. Well, Stem technically kills this guy. Uh, he th- throws up in the kitchen sink in horror. He's panicking. He's like, I, oh my god, we just killed this guy. What do we do? What do we do? And Stem's like, all right, well, we got to, you know, remove all traces of ourselves here. We got to get rid of your fingerprints. And he's like, how, how can I possibly remember everything I touched? And Stem just goes, I have a complete record of everything <laughs> Yeah. I have a complete record of every incident. Yeah, the, just the deadpan, <laughs> so casual nature of it is ridiculous. The casually, you know, murder of another human being. Yeah. Well, I mean, is it murder? I mean, a it, guy like it, that. It, it was it, technically self-defense. Vengeance. Well, I mean, you break into someone's house and then you get attacked. It would act. I wonder because that that would be a the it whole would, thing would be an extremely it would be weird, weird court case. That, but imagine. Anyway, so he get, he goes back home. The detective um, sees the ghost of the morgue and sees that Cirque Brentner has been surgically modified. He's got robotics in his chest. He's got a he's got the gun hand thing too. And you load the like the bullets load in your bicep. Freaking love that. Yeah, really um, cool when you actually see it happen. Like, yeah, and sh- so she had had him on a list of possible suspects for this for murdering Gray's wife, and she goes to see him because they see on drone footage that he was there in his wheelchair. They don't see him like stand or anything, but they see him going through a back alley in his wheelchair, and she goes to his house to question him. And not not question him. She just wants to just talk, you know. But she's really probing for information. Well, as you know, detectives do. Yeah. And he tells her, uh, "I was in the neighborhood because you know I was trying to jog my memory." And he basically says, "You know, you can't suspect me of anything like of killing this guy because come on, I got a pretty solid alibi for not being able to kill a guy." And yeah, and the drone footage, it doesn't even show... It, like, she later says uh, in the movie, well, you could have had someone else do it for you, but then you have to think, the drone footage, which you see in the movie, only shows him, so there's a... Yeah, but it, that's only... But she, remember, she, there's ways around that. She even says that criminals have a way to... Yeah, to I know, I'm drone. saying, like, it's it's a very confusing case for anyone, including yeah. the poor detective assigned to it. Yeah. Uh, so, he is like understandably upset he has murdered somebody even if it wasn't really him it was still his body that did the killing uh but stem tells him hey look i know we gotta we gotta keep going though we gotta press on figure out what else happened uh so stem says the next logical course is we go down to the uh oh sorry before this real quick uh aaron has him back over to check on the progress and aaron tells him you know i can track you right i know what you've been doing you know if anybody finds out about this it's going to be a disaster for both of us. And the robot is like, he knows everything. Just <laughs> yeah. not true. He said, and he's like, you can't, you can't take him on some crazy side detective thing because if anybody finds out about this, we're both screwed. And so they go back home, and then Stem says, our next logical course of action is to go to the Old Bones Bar and see what we can figure out. But Stem also warns him that if they do this, Aaron is going to probably track them remotely again and probably attempt to shut Stem down and take them back into custody. So they go to the Old Bones, 
and uh, he basically wheels himself. He's in his wheelchair at this point because he has to keep appearances. He wheels himself to the center of the bar and says, uh, can I have everybody's attention here? I know some scumbag in here uh, either knows about the murder of my wife or was there. And if you would just raise your hand or come forward right now, that'd be great. And the whole bar kind of laughs at him. Yeah, the whole bar. It's a very shady place, too. They're all, it's like a biker bar, stereotypically, you know. You could say it's just I like... I don't know. It's just... Well, I mean, that's what it kind of the vibe is. You know what I mean? Bar, just yeah. like, like people who are, you know, shady characters, uh, no, you know, no technology allowed inside, that kind of thing. It's, it's a, a, a seedy place. And then this, this massive jacked guy comes up and uh, starts uh, t- talking to him about, you know, uh, the murder of his wife not really he just says um he well yeah kind of he says you know you, you shouldn't be you should be more careful and uh he said i can't remember what he says exactly to gray but he insults gray in kind of a backhanded manner yeah he basically you know picks on him for being disabled yeah and, and then, then like, uh, oh yeah yeah he picks on him for being a quadriplegic and then he says yeah that's right uh sir Frankner thought right before i damn near cut his head off yeah, and, so the, guy and the whole turns, bar is kind of taken aback by that yeah, comment. because the guy we, turns back around, and he, he tells the barkeep to turn the music up real loud, and he starts pushing Gray's wheelchair towards the bathroom, Yeah, and uh, two other guys go in with him. And in the bathroom, the bathroom has just got bullet shells, casing yeah, shells, all over the It back. seems that a lot of people have died in that bathroom. I guess so. Or uh, a lot of, like, gunshots have been fired. I'm surprised that no one has been called to this bar, even though, you know, it's uh, supposedly off the grid. Well, it's like, <laughs> is it just a, an accepted thing that, like, that's the murder bathroom? Uh, honestly, it might be. It that's might where be. we just take guys when we gotta just blow their brains out or something? So, I mean, you know... Some sometimes uh, you gotta have a murder bathroom, you know. <laughs> I, I just, I, I mean, can't imagine having like a. I can't wait for that Yelp review. <laughs> Can you imagine <laughs> reading the Yelp review? Beer was that? okay. But That'd be a hysterical like Saturday Night Live. I tried stuff. to take a piss and there was just bullets everywhere. I don't know. It was yeah, weird. There, there was weird guys looking at me as I walked into the back room to use the bathroom. Um, anyway, though, <laughs> yeah. so so they're in the bathroom and. Uh, the guy says, "Let's see how if you know, you know, if you really are a paraplegic." And he throws him out of the wheelchair. And the the bot had disabled his pain receptors, as he as he would say. Yep. And, uh, he didn't feel a thing as the guy like did some probing stabs on his leg and his chest. And then, as he has the knife against his neck, he the bot takes over after nope, he. Nope. Oh, first, the guy, he he keeps asking the guy, "Just tell me if you were there." Oh yeah. And the guy finally says, "Yeah, I was there." And then the bot takes over and. Just you know, continues to brutalize these these three guys who had no idea what they got themselves into. They, uh, the one guy gets uh, handled pretty well. The other two get dispensed with uh, really fast, and no one can do anything anyway because the music is playing really loud because they were so overconfident in their abilities. You yeah, know? well, it's funny because uh, as as he's kicking the crap out of these three guys, Gray at one point like. He's beating up the one guy, and the other guy starts to come up from behind him, and, like, his elbow just flies back and nails him in the face. And he goes, oh, yeah, I didn't forget about you. And Stem kind of <laughs> warns him, like, don't get overconfident. Um, well, I mean, it's not like he's the one who's being overconfident anyway. <laughs> yeah. Um, so he, he pins the big hulking dude down who said he was there when his wife got murdered. And he keeps asking him, you know, who are you, and, like, who, why, you know, why'd you kill my wife? And the guy basically tells him to go screw himself. And uh, he asks Stem what to do next, and Stem says, take the knife. <laughs> you don't have to look if you don't want to. Well, he also says, yeah. No, no, explain uh, why Stem takes so. Well, the, he's taking the knife because they're about to start stabbing this guy until he talks, really. And, uh, you know, he, he, he gets stabbed a couple times. and uh, A couple? A couple times, yeah. His I face mean, looked like Swiss cheese at the end. <laughs> yeah, the whole guy, the guy's covered in blood. The guy's been stabbed a bunch of times. He's in excruciating pain. And then... Uh, Gray asks the question again, and you know, uh, who hired you is what he asks him, and he says Fisk hired me, and uh, Fisk was one, uh, turns out to be uh, one of the characters who was uh, the you know mustache twirling bad guy that Tom referenced earlier when the wife was killed. You know, it's uh, literally he has a mustache. He doesn't twirl it, but he has a mustache. Well, you know, I mean, like I think that I was kind of the mean. vibe they were going yeah. for with this character. I'm pretty sure he's also the villain from Sonic the Hedgehog too. No, that's Jim Carrey. 
Oh, really? Yeah, what are you talking about? No, I saw him in the trailer, I thought. No. I guess I was totally wrong there. Jim Carrey does not look like this guy. Well, who anyway. Who then? Oh, um, sorry, he's a villain from some other movie. I guess. I've I, seen him I haven't before. seen him anything else. Um, so, yeah, he gets the information from Stem, but then Stem warns him that Aaron is, in fact, attempting to remote shut Stem down. So, <laughs> he's like, well, what am I supposed to do? And he goes, we need to get to a hacker to do, like, some crazy computer lingo speak and he's like i what i don't even know what that is like oh yeah real quick let me just check my black book for hackers and stem's like yeah i searched the dark web like yesterday because i felt like this was gonna happen so he tells him to go to this apartment complex where and ask for jamie uh, and jamie can help it disable aaron's access to stem so he runs out of the bar well not runs out of the bar he he, he leaves in his wheelchair he again, leaves in his wheelchair he, initially but then as they realize that their time is starting to you know yeah, run he out he bolts out of the chair <laughs> yeah and there's a funny scene where one of the guys who was in a wheelchair outside uh, crawls over to it and sits down and he's like you're a faker no he says faker first and then switches wheelchairs uh -huh. he stands up and walks to the other wheelchair yeah, after he's confirmed to leave yeah uh, it's a more comfortable seat to be So honest. he's running, and Stem had also told him to take a pen um, and write down everything he tells him. And he's, like, writing down an insane amount of code on his arm that the hacker's going to need to disable Aaron's access. So he gets to the building, and right as he gets to the front door, his left leg, like, stops working. And he's got to crawl. He kind of hobbles in, and he has to go up, like, five or six flights. Or, no, five flights of stairs, because they're on the fifth floor. And, but he has to do it like one-legged because he's losing power. He gets to the top of the stairs, he starts on the hallway, then his other leg stops, and he starts to crawl. Yeah, it's a very tense scene as he basically like hobbles his way up these five flights of stairs and through the hallway and past the massive jigsaw. And, oh, this know. was, yeah, this was the, the building that had jigsaw in it. Yeah, and, uh, and eventually he stops fully at the door of the apartment building, the apartment that he's trying to get to. And, uh... He bangs on the door and gives the hacker some money, and uh, the hacker's actually kind of surprised that he uses paper money at all, considering, you know, like, they they basically live in the Cyberpunk 2077 game. <laughs> Maybe. Um, so, yeah, he gets hauled into the, literally dragged into the room. Uh, Jamie sets up this laptop, uh, starts reading the code off his arm and doing all this stuff, we see uh, Fisk and the other remaining lackey arrive at the building, and also the team from Vessel that Aaron had sent to retrieve him shows up, and it's now it's like a racing game. Like we'll we're race, we'll like will. Will the elevator go first, or will the stairs go first? Kind of. Yeah. Because the team was in the elevator. Well, no, and... it's it's a race of, like, if Stem can get shut or reactivated before all these guys show up. Yeah. Uh, Jamie uh, says she's fi or. Jamie refuses to be identified using binary, so Jamie fin announces that they have finished. Um, uh, sees that Fisk and his goon are coming up the stairs, and packs up the laptop and starts to leave. And he's like, "Whoa, you can't just you know you can't just leave me here like this." And uh, Jamie turns back and says, "I'm sorry, I can't. We can't let them win." And he's like, "What? What? Who? Who is they?" And but Jamie leaves, and so he's starting to crawl away. And he's, like, screaming, like, stem, stem, you know, like, turn yeah. back, you know. And Fisk and his goon come in the room, and they see him crawling away. And Fisk makes, like, a dick comment, like, oh, that's exactly how you looked last time I saw you. <laughs> yeah. Again, twirl the mustache there, really. He's a very evil guy, I guess. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. And then, uh, as that happens, um... Uh, Fisk is standing over him in this triumphant moment, where he, right before he's about to, you know really, I guess, kill him. And then the robot turns on at that moment and they start fighting again. And, uh... It's a intense fight with, you know, a lot of action from the... Uh, well, it's not a fight. It's At first, it's a chase. Well, it, he it is punches chase, Fisk right. in the face and run, starts to run. Uh, Goon, who we never really get the name of, starts shooting at him with his gun arm, which still... So, so sick. Cool. And you see the Goon loaded up beforehand, yeah, too. Yeah, and, and cocks... He, like, Cox's arm. Just, yeah, like a shotgun, he cocks his arm yeah, back. It's, it's really so cool, badass. you know? And uh, the, just the visual of him loading a bullet into his arm was kind of unsettling, but also sick at the same time. Yeah, so unnamed goon is chasing him through the, the building, shooting at him. Uh, they make it to the roof, and Stem says, all right, nowhere else to run. We're going to end this quick. And 
goon comes up from behind him, loads one last bullet into his arm, and he's like, how? And he goes like this. And Stem, like, sweeps the dude's legs out, chucks him against the wall, and, and then, then shatters his arm, yeah. flips the gun hand back into his face, and fires the dude's own gun arm The, the most his sick head. kill of the movie. That's his head literally earlier. explodes like a watermelon stuffed with diamonds. Oh, it was so awesome. It was so, just, mm, jigsaw moment there, really. Yeah, that, you was, know. that was definitely another Saw thing. And it, the, the, just, you can hear his bone crunch. You can, like, hear the... Yep. It, it's just intense. Yeah, this is not a movie for the faint of heart. Yeah, it's not a movie for... If you for... don't like squeamish, or if you're, if you're squeamish with scenes... Like, even the surgery scene where you're putting Stem in him is pretty graphic. Yeah, I honestly, the the worst scene for me throughout the whole movie was the surgery scene because, like, it's not just one moment. Like, you know, the when the guy got, uh, in the first scene of the movie when he got, you know, his jaw basically cut in half... You know, that was a... It was, was quick. Like a, it was a second. Yeah. The surgery thing was, like, about 20 seconds of, yeah. like, looking at someone's spine open in your eyes, and it's not very fun. Yeah, it was definitely not, uh, not PG. <laughs> um, so, Fisk gets to the roof, sees his goon is just decapitated, essentially, and... Uh, Brian goes home, or Brian, wow, Gray goes home. I don't <laughs> know why I, got, I don't know what I just got Brian from. <laughs> Maybe Fast and the Furious? I wasn't watching that recently. Um... Uh, Gray goes home. He walks in the front door, and his mom is sitting there. Oh God! And he walks in the front door. Yeah, that's he, a, he walks. That's in. the important part of yeah. this conversation. He walks in, and he's supposed to be a paraplegic, and his mom is supposed to, you know, not know that he's a, not a paraplegic anymore. So there's a very large conflict of interest here, as you know, your your mom has just seen you walk in, and uh, he explains to her that like. Uh, he underwent an operation, that's all he says, but he doesn't say anything about STEM or anything like that. And, uh... Yeah, definitely not that it's a self-aware computer chip in his neck. <laughs> yeah, that, that is secretly controlling his actions, and, and he goes out and kills Not controlling people. anything. He's, it's, it's, it controls him when he, you know, lets it, when he wants to do the fighting or the, the, well, the killing. After the input gets revoked. We don't know that yet. We don't know that yet, um, you're right. So, sorry. he says he's gonna sleep for a little bit, um because he hasn't slept in two days. He's just going crazy. Um, he he goes to bed, and he wakes up, and his mom tells him that the detective is here. So she comes in the room, and he's laying in his bed, still pretending to be a paraplegic. She, at this point, is convinced that he has at least something to do with the murders. Like, she doesn't think he's doing them himself, but he thinks she thinks that maybe he has hired somebody to go out and kill these guys for him. Um, they're having a back and forth, and she says, if you... If you're involved in any way, you got to tell me now, or I can't do anything for you. And he says, "Why don't you just go do your job, or get out of the way and let some computer do it for you?" Um, and she leaves, and he is freaking out. He's like, "We can't keep going. We 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 got to stop. We're gonna get caught. It's a miracle we haven't been caught already. We're done." And Stem says, "No, we're not done because Fisk knows what we look like, and he'll find us and he'll kill us, and we can't let that happen." He says, nope, nope, we're done. We're going to let the cops handle this. We should have let that, you know, you know, happen from the beginning. And uh, Stem starts to argue with him, and he says, just shut up, just shut up, and stop doing everything. And then he just collapses on the bed. And he... Well, he actually said, get the fuck out of my head, I think, is what he actually whatever. said. Whatever. Something like, yeah, something along those lines. And and Stem is like, he, he, he goes, Stem, what are you doing? And Stem goes, nothing. And he goes, it's without me, you can't do anything. You're a paraplegic. I'm the one running the body. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to go get Fisk, we're going to kill him, and that'll be the end of it. Stem basically holds him hostage in his uh, own body, you could say. Yeah, and and he says, well, it doesn't matter, we're not doing that. And and Stem says, yes, we are, because guess what? When we had the hacker remove the whole remote tracking and, and Aaron's access, it also took off the input guards that I needed your permission to take control. So guess what, dude? We're going to go kill this guy. But the detective had planted a uh, listening device in his coat before she left, and she hears this whole conversation. Well, she, well, only she hears, hears one side. Yeah, of the she hears Gray because, as Stem tells him earlier in the movie, no one else can hear Stem talk because he's sending sound waves to his eardrums. So yeah, you just get him basically seeming like he's yelling at nobody. Yeah, it's basically like uh, schizophrenia for anyone who uh, is just wa- listening in. Yep, and. Uh, the detective is kind of peeved out by this, so as he leaves for, you know, to base, as a paraplegic gets into a car and drives away, uh, she's kind of, you know, uh, suspicious. Suspicious of, of that. <laughs> Sorry, I was looking for the word. So she chases him down, and we get a fun car chase. 
Yeah, and then as the car chase goes on, uh, you see him kind of, the human side takes over because uh, for some reason Stem can't really drive the car too well, so at, since he's, you know, a skilled driver and an auto mechanic, he kind of takes over and has, there's a really cool chase scene between him and the cars, and then it's interesting too because at the same time Stem is uh, using his powers to look into other cars and see what he can do, and eventually he hacks a self-driving car and he has this car stop and start reversing on the highway towards uh, uh, Agent or Cortez. And as that's happening, uh, she doesn't notice what's happening with the car going towards her, and she hits it and uh, almost... Well, no, it's, it's coming straight at them, and Grace swerves out of the way at the last second, and she doesn't... She can't react fast enough and just gets yeah, plowed yeah. into her mind. She doesn't have an epic computer chip in her head to... Nope, she does not. ...do that for her. So... Uh, Gray winds up at Fisk's apartment. Fisk comes home, and uh, Gray standing behind him with a gun, and he gives this speech about how you know all the computer chips and all the crap in your head doesn't matter now because I got you. And uh, Fisk gives him the spiel about how you know I don't want to kill you. You're one of us now. You're one of the upgraded. You're part of our race. Um, we're better than humans, and. Uh, he mentions that his wife was nothing but, like, just the, a misstep of evolution now. And he uses that to get in Gray's head, so he knocks the gun out of his hand and starts this crazy kung fu fight in the in the apartment. Yeah, ma kind of Matrix-esque fight between the two. Yeah, I definitely uh, got that vibe. And uh, the one guy has a lot more cybernetic components than just this one chip, so he has... Well, that, the, and he's also a trained soldier. Yeah, so they're, they're, it's actually a pretty close fight, too, because Stem almost loses a couple times, and... Well, Stem does lose. Well, hear me out. And eventually, uh, the soldier gets the upper hand, and he has him pinned against the wall, and he has his epic arm shotgun thing pointed at his head. And yeah, those uh, things are loaded with big bullets. <laughs> yeah, they will blow you away and make your head a little, like burst like a watermelon as Tom said earlier and uh, as he's up pinned against the wall the soldier is monologuing with his hand out and it, uh, Gray says something to the effect of what did he say? He recognizes that sir, the guy he de almost decapitated with a knife was this guy's brother Oh, he realizes that it was his brother, and so he plays into that emotional, uh, I guess, connection. And because of that, the guy loses his cool and goes to strike him instead of uh, hit him with the shotgun blast, and then he wins the fight by uh, impaling the back of his head on a shard of glass on the ground. Yep. Yeah, he, he, uh, he says something... Oh, he says, um, uh, you know, your brother uh, died crying like a little baby. Definitely wasn't a soldier on that day. Oh. And that's when he goes to hit him with the instead of shoot him. And that's not even true. No, it's not, but he didn't... It doesn't have to be true to get in the guy's head. It doesn't have to be true to win. Um, so Stem tells him, take the phone, and I'll go through his messages. So he takes his phone, puts it in his ear, because all the phones in this movie are like little ear AirPods. They're basically AirPods, like, but one. Yeah. Single and AirPod. Going through it, you see that he has a voicemail from Keen, which says, you have to finish this now, or he's going to kill us both. So Stem's like, hey, you know what this means? We got one more guy to kill. Yeah. So they drive over to Keen's apartment. Uh, oh, and in the meantime, Cortez has gone to, um, uh, back to Gray's house to talk to the mother and to figure out where he's going. And we're assuming that the mom tells him about, uh, Detective Cortez, about um, the, the Stem thing that Keen gave him. So gray goes to keen's house and he just marks these two guys who are bodyguards yeah they didn't even fight it was just them getting their brains painted on the wall by their bullets you know it was horrible blam, blam, dead <coughs> and no, he didn't even look up in the scene it's just him yep. walking in like just offs both of them without even looking at them uh and keen is sitting behind his desk and he's gray says you know you killed my wife you crippled me just so you could have a guinea pig for your, your STEM project. And he goes, you know, my wife didn't have to die. And then Detective Cortez shows up and is like, okay, buddy, your, your reign of terror is done. You're going into jail. Um, and she tells him to get down, like, toss the gun and get down on the ground, put your hands behind your head, and then she goes to cuff him. And since Stem is in control also, he doesn't drop the gun initially, so yeah. you can still kind of tell that he's not really in control of his body or his actions at this point. Yeah, and she goes to cuff him, and 
Keen's like, no, 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 touch him. And he does this crazy back stand flip thing and just launches her and starts to choke her to death on the desk. And Gray is freaking out, like, no, she's she's done nothing wrong. We're not going to kill her. And he sort of fights them off enough for her to get away from him for a second. Uh, but he gets her back and he starts choking her against the wall and he tells her to taser her. And she hits him with a taser right in the neck and it shuts him down temporarily. And uh, Aaron picks up the gun that she dropped and tells him, I didn't do any of this to you. I haven't been in control of my company for years. I'm serving somebody who's a lot smarter than I ever could have been. And we see that it was STEM. STEM has been in control of everything this entire time. Yeah, he's been orchestrating events behind the scenes to try and create this, uh, <clears throat> I guess, scenario so that he can have even more power. As a... Yeah, he wanted to be put in a human body and have autonomy. <clears throat> and uh, we see that uh, STEM was in Aaron's phone talking to him, getting him to emotionally prod Gray into eventually accepting the operation. Oh, we also find out STEM needed a body that had no cyber, previous cybernetic enhancements, which and, apparently is pretty rare these days, which is why he needed Gray. Yeah, so he needed basically a perfect host, and yeah. he, he found Gray through, you know, chance. And, and I was kind of worried, and it was, I, I, looking back on it, I was worried, like, does this make sense, or is this something that it just threw in for a plot twist for the sake of being a plot twist? But it actually, it did make sense, because even, because I, I wondered, like, then why would STEM help him you know, pull at the threads. Why would he unravel this? And he even Gray asked that. Why would you help me track these guys down if it leads back to you? And Stem basically says, because they're humans. You know, they were upgraded humans, but they're still humans. They made mistakes, and it would have eventually led back to me anyway, so I was going to try it off them before you could figure it out. It was basically him cutting off the loose ends, you yeah. know. And uh, the interesting thing that I thought well, was one of the weird, unexplained things was who is the hacker Jamie talking about? And like, That's, yeah, that was interesting. I wonder if, because, well, well, we'll get there in a minute. Um, so Aaron, you know, tells him all this, and um, Stem starts talking through, like, the house speakers. And Stem says, put the gun down, Aaron. And Gray tells him, don't do it. Uh, but Aaron had turned around to see it, just, like, where Stem was coming from. And when he turns back around, Gray has rebooted and is... Well, Stem has rebooted and is standing right in front of Aaron and stabs him in the head and kills him. Takes the gun, turns... With, with a knife that was in his yeah, hand. Oh, yeah, he'd sta yeah, Gray had stabbed his own hand to try to to slow Stem down. And Gray, or Stem picks up the gun, points it at Cortez, and... They're fighting for it, and Stem tells them, "You can't. You're you're just have a human brain. If you keep pushing against me, your mind is gonna break. I'm in control now." And you know, Gray says, "You're not in control. I am." And we see him put the gun to his neck, where Stem is, and we hear a gunshot go off. But then Gray wakes up in the hospital, and he sits up and he's moving his hands, and he, he says, "Stem, are you there?" And we hear, yeah, I'm here. And we see his wife come around the corner, and she tells him that they were in a car accident, and he's been out for a few days. But then we cut back to the real world, and we see that Gray's mind has snapped. He is living in a fantasy land, and he's now... He's been put in his matrix, basically. Yeah, and Stem is now entirely in control. And Stem uh, says he's sorry that it has to be like this, shoots Detective Cortez right in the brain, takes the knife out of his hand drops both the gun and the knife and walks away and that's where that's the, movie that's the end it was a great end i liked um, it a lot it definitely leaves the room open for a sequel if they wanted to do one because like you said there's that who who is them like what who was the hacker talking about like is that stem is stem or, part of an even bigger organization yeah, that we don't know about is something or, going on or i don't know who um, does no but no this movie was fantastic it was great well acted great premise good mystery thriller and they, they leave you with enough like possible um culprits for who killed his wife and why that you it's definitely not yep. blatantly obvious that it's stem um and it's not something that you're just gonna like watch and be like oh, okay cool like flashing action scene movie now i'm gonna go on with my day no it's something that you're gonna think about for days yeah there's a lot of stuff going on in this movie it's the nature of 
our society has becomes increasingly reliant on technology yeah, stuff. You know, it's kind of interesting too the philosophy of transhumanism. Yeah. And the idea that like one day we will be um, not the majority of intelligence when you know if we continue to develop it. Singularity approaches. Yeah. Um, so yeah, this movie had a budget of three million, which I find staggering considering the the really good level of effects. Uh, it really? Took, it took in seventeen million at the box office, so it was a success. Um, it was kind of a sleeper. It uh, wasn't really a smash hit, but you know, it's <clears throat> I didn't even know about it, it until more Tom than told me about five it. Five times its budget, so it's nothing to sneeze at. Um, both uh, the director Leigh Wannell and Blumhouse have said that they would love to do a sequel about this. Uh, as recently as February of 2020, they were talking about it. Um, that sounds pretty good. The, the interesting camera work that was done, especially during the fight scenes, was apparently done by taking and strapping a phone to Logan Marshall Green and then having the camera check the gyroscope of the phone and not just be like a static camera so and the gyroscope what do you mean like this yeah, oh, so, have gyroscopes in. so you attach the phone to him and the phone which uh, the camera would check the gyroscope instead of like the I don't know I but however it worked it was like magic it, it was, was really, really good. cool the fight scene did a fantastic looked, it was job. a very unique look for everything um I it's weird because on the one hand I would love a sequel to this uh, I feel like with a bigger budget they could do even more stuff and it would kind of be interesting because you could have Logan Marshall Green be he'd be the antagonist of the film this time he would be STEM you know and it would leave a whole whole host of places to go with it but on the other hand this movie was amazing and I think as a one-off it also works perfectly yeah, really. I mean, this movie could be a total one-off, and I, I'm cautious about sequels sometimes because, you know, very often a sequel will come out and it'll kind of just destroy the continuity of the first movie. Or Tell that to John Wick. Yeah, well, John Wick is a shining example of a great sequel. And Every great... John Wick movie is fantastic. <laughs> really? And honestly, this movie, uh, I, when I was watching it, I kind of compared it to John Wick in my mind because the, of how... Yeah, the, the, the slick action scenes and, and the, the, the hyper-violence. The, the kill improvisation, too. Like, the just... The fact that the robot thought that through, you know, bending the guy's arm back. And oh my god, that, off. that's still my favorite kill. I, I'm, that's I'm, one of my favorite kills in all of movies in general, is that. I haven't seen many better kills than that one. Every time honest. I watch Upgrade with somebody who hasn't seen it before, and I know that scene is coming up, I always, I don't watch the movie anymore, I watch their face. <laughs> and yeah. it's, it's hilarious. I remember, uh, my reaction to that was just, ugh, just total testosterone moment there. Just, yeah. Getting his face uh, so in case you couldn't tell, we liked this movie. Uh, go watch it if you haven't seen it. I don't know if it's streaming anywhere. I bought the DVD. Um, definitely check it out. Uh, and to circle back to it at the beginning, check out Twin Trees if you're ever in the Syracuse area. <laughs> yeah, seriously, Twin Trees is fantastic and it added another level of greatness to this movie that we watched. Oh, yes. The whole time we were eating delicious Twin Trees pizza and wings. All right, guys. Well, that is it for this episode. Uh, spread the word, tell your friends about us uh, we're on Apple Podcasts uh, Spotify uh, as I post the direct uh, link to the episode in our Facebook page, so find us on Facebook uh, Dinner and a Show um, and I will be back next episode, have fun guys